I hope you know that in in future we 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 look back on this as a as a uniquely um, a troubled time, uh, but I can't be confident about that. Please mind the gap between the train and the platform. Welcome to Future Talks. Are you listening? A podcast diving deep into the effects that digitalization has on our lives and societies. This conversation is brought to you by the British Embassy in Helsinki and your host, Tuomas Lähtemäk. Today, information is spreading faster than ever. We are being targeted by disinformation campaigns without even knowing it and telling fact from fiction is getting harder by today. Disinformation is the new normal. To discuss these challenging developments are experts Alan Ruskritcher, the former editor-in-chief of The Guardian, and Teja Tilikainen, director of the European Center of Excellence for Countering Hybrid Threats. Greetings and welcome to both of you. Hello. Hello. Alan, starting with you, why is this information so effective and why is it unlikely to go away? Well, it's effective because uh, so many of us are losing any sense of what's true or not, or who to believe. Uh, and so notions of, of uh, who, who we trust are um, diminishing. Uh, I saw a recent survey where two-thirds of people in the UK said they no longer knew who to trust. They couldn't tell the difference between a, a trusted, responsible source and uh disinformation on on the internet and so you've got a world of information chaos and into that chaos it's very easy for for bad players to 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 step in who uh for for whatever reasons want to um misinform or disinform the public and and spread things that are wrong uh, so that's that's the that's the sort of dangerous um breeding ground that we have today What about you, Teja? Uh, what are your thoughts on the effectiveness of disinformation? Well, I think it, it is really cost-effective because uh, the idea that a, a foreign power or a foreign non-state actor can affect uh, the internal decision-making, the decisions or political debate in another state by just uh, uh, using this information or through disinformation, I think that is a very cost-effective tool which Uh, certainly is being used more and more for for uh, these malign purposes. And also because of, as Alan pointed out, the information environment has changed. So uh, it's very difficult or more and more difficult for, for citizens to know what to uh, what to rely upon, what to trust in. So the emergence of social media has changed a lot in this respect. So, so what do you think it is that we always, when we are talking about, or most often when we talk about disinformation campaigns, they seem to be, you know, one step further, one step ahead of, of the policymakers or, or, or the, or the audi- audiences themselves. And we can only analyze them basically from the hindsight. Is this, is this correct way of uh, understanding data? Uh, yeah, it's very difficult to anticipate. Of course, it's very difficult to uh, anticipate what they are go- where they are going to use the tool of of this information next, and and also this information uh, functions uh, at at very many different levels. So we have this uh, from day to day, this information affecting our. Uh, situational awareness, understanding about what's going on. But there is also the more long-term uh, tool uh, of, of this information where uh, incorrect information is, is 
uh, written into school books or uh, we talk about history politics where different understandings of history are, are, are being incorporated into to, uh, even uh, university uh, cu- curricula. So the, the, it's, it's a very uh, risky and, and, and dangerous tool, uh, the whole instrument of, of disinformation. Mm, what do you think, Alan? Can they be or can disinformation all in all, can it be predicted? Well, I think... Um... You know the, the 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 companies that are most affected by this are are doing their best to try and um, use human beings as well as um, algorithms and artificial intelligence and machine learning to work out where the threats are coming from and how to counter them. The the, the question is partly scale that that this is happening on such a huge scale and and the scale generally of communication on the internet is now almost unimaginably large that uh trying to uh counter everything that is um coming in uh, and trying to anticipate the, the changing form of it is i think very difficult and obviously very expensive uh, and there's a to be frank a, a limited a, a smaller and smaller number of companies that that actually uh can cope with the the, the scale uh, and the changing nature of it Um, so I think that's 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 one of the major things. So that if you're you can be a relatively small, nimble player, uh, uh, and y- you have got scale and surprise on your side. Mm. For example, in the UK, what would you distinguish to be the key challenges um, concerning disinformation at this time? Well, as I began by saying, I think there is very broadly a a breakdown in trust in 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 all kinds of information um and uh, sadly that includes the press and mainstream information that 20 years ago uh would have been i think regarded you know with some skepticism but nevertheless as as a a a, a, a reliable route and of course what's happened in the last 20 years is that we've moved from a few gatekeepers um people by and large who owned printing presses and broadcasting studios to a world in which four billion people uh, or more can publish and communicate and um, uh, and share stuff with each other. Uh, so that, that old world of, of gatekeepers has, um, has broken down to some extent, uh, and this new horizontal world of people communicating with each other has, has, has grown up. Uh, and that, coupled with an environment, uh, sadly in the UK, of I, I think pro- probably lower trust than in uh, Scandinavian Nor- Nordic countries, um, uh, is, is very fertile breeding ground for people who want to come in and um, um, manipulate uh, information. From the Finnish point of view, and 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 why not from an all European point of view? Also, the to protect the possibilities of 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 mainstream journalism. Uh, so quality uh, journalism i think is 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 important and 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 we see in many countries how how journalism is, is struggling uh, when uh, when people want to get their information fast and and uh, not everybody uh, can be uh, doing that in the internet in the same manner by by relying on quality journalism so so that we have to also safeguard our information environment from those elements that form the ground for or provide the ground for this information. So this would be important from my point of view.
You're listening to Future Talks, and today to discuss these challenging developments are experts Alan Rusbridger, the former editor-in-chief of The Guardian, and Teija Tiilikainen, director of the European Center of Excellence for Countering Hybrid Threats. So far it's been a very strange year probably for, for everyone. Every one of us, um, just out of curiosity, do you see a change concerning disinformation and the pandemic at hand? Do you have, have you seen any uh, distinct uh, changes on the disinformation campaigns that have been visible uh, for now, uh, for example, um, in the UK? Alan? It, it's it's not something I've been um, particularly focused on. Um, it, it, may, it may be happening a, a bit and there are there are certainly, if one makes a distinction between misinformation and disinformation, so disinformation I think of as as sort of deliberate creation of falsehood, uh, which is, I think, different from misinformation, which is people who might have nutty ideas uh, or, um, you know, peculiar conspiracy theories, but, but it, it's not sort of deliberately trying to mis- it's not deliberately trying to mislead people. It, it is um, uh, people who, who, who may, may have wild ideas, but, but are, you know, sincerely held. So I've seen quite a lot of that, um, of, of people who who I think are sort of sim- simply wrong uh, or fail to understand the science or where politics or ideologies trumps reality. Um, I haven't personally seen much disinformation where, you know, you've, you've got bad players or, or foreign actors or whatever actually trying to pollute the debate. What about you, Teja? What are your thoughts on, on the pandemic side and, and disinformation? Uh, well, from the point of view of our center, we have been uh, carefully monitoring uh, these disinformation campaigns. Uh, we see quite a lot of them, and and uh, and have have seen from the from the beginning of the of the crisis. Uh, of course, this is an an opportunity for all those actors that are willing to and, and want to see a weekend uh, Western world, a weekend the weekend uh, democracies in in Europe and and in the US to to be further weakened, <laughs> or who want to see a weakening of these democra- democracies to take place, uh, they 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 are taking uh, as much out of the pandemic as they can to weaken trust. In, in in Western uh, system of governance, in in the unity of of the European Union or or, or of the transatlantic community, and of course to uh, enhance their uh, own reputation as as re- responsible in international actors and also uh, to to uh, strengthen their own authoritarian system of of governance. So this competition or rivalry uh, between great powers that was taking taking place before the pandemic has has uh, accelerated during the pandemic and the pandemic instead of of uh, providing a a common challenge or enemy for the for for uh, for, for for the world globally has uh, rather provided a, another platform for for rivalry and, and and competition in your opinion How are the disinformation campaigns and methods changing? To uh, say something positive, uh, of course, we have also learned. We have learned and uh, the uh, the awareness of our societies about uh, the disinformation tool has has grown. Uh, social media platforms uh, recognize their responsibilities better than than earlier, and I think the whole world is is more alert on the alert <laughs> uh, with with this 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 challenge, with, which of course is is a good thing. But uh, it might be that 
those who, who want to use this cost-efficient tool uh, are, are one step ahead again, as, as, as you rightly pointed out. So we must really, there is a lot of work for us to, to do. I would also stress, as, as many, many others uh, do stress, the important cooperation between the public and private sector actors here. This is a, a, a common challenge to, to us all. So the, the, there needs to be firm cooperation. So how has the UK in general, uh, Alan, been dealing with the disinformation challenges, for example, during the, during the past year? What kind of discussion you have had on, on this? I think, um, I think it's it, it's risen up the agenda. I, I think um, it's being dealt with as a matter of national security as as much as anything else. If if um, if people feel uh, that um, bad players are, are trying to interfere in in debates for for, for bad ends, um, if you lose control of of any sense of of um, what is factually correct in a society, then your your society gets into deep trouble. So um, and there are people um, in, in the intelligence agencies who I, I think you know this is now their number one um, uh, preoccupation. Uh, I think if you stop most people in the street and said, you know, to what extent do you think the uh, there, there were uh, in interference in 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 the referendum and in the, in the American elections, people would have no idea. Uh, Recently, there was a report in, in in the UK about the degree to which uh, that whole Cambridge Analytical st- scandal, um, you know, d- did really play a part in in Brexit, and that was interpreted in different ways by different people. To the extent that even people who had been sort of quite closely monitoring that story, I think, would probably have ended up shrugging, say, "Well, I I don't know, I." I I have no idea really uh, what to believe any longer. Um, uh, and I mean, I'm afraid some of this begins with Donald Trump. Um, if you've got the leader of the free world effectively trying to delegitimize the free press, trying to say uh, there are such things as alternative facts, repeatedly um putting misleading and false information into the public domain so if it starts with the with the leader of the free world uh that that is a sort of green light to all kinds of other players uh to uh to uh spread um wrong information um so i i, I think i i hope you know that in in future we 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 look back on this as a as a uniquely um a troubled time, uh, but I can't be confident about that. Uniquely troubled time, that's an interesting way to put it. Do you think, Alan, that disinformation is the new normal? Well, I hope not. I mean, I, like Taya, I, I hope, you know, we can take some comfort in the fact that people are becoming more aware of it and that we're getting better at spotting it. And I, I fear that, that this may have to sort of change our notions of education, and, and we may have to start teaching information, uh, teaching information skills, media skills to to people in schools, so that people can become more skeptical and more intelligent about trying to work out what is true and what isn't. Sure, you know we are at the very early stage. This is this is like you know ten years after after Gutenberg, when you know people are suddenly. 
uh, able to print books and print bad books as well as good books, you know, and it, it took a long time for Western society to work out what it thought about that. And this is Gutenberg times 100, um, and Western society hasn't yet worked out how to deal with these new uh, channels of, of disinformation. Well, you know, I'm sure we will get better. We're not going to solve it by next Tuesday. Really interesting points. Uh, that's a pretty good bridge for, for the next question. They, uh, what do you think, what kind of actions should we take now um, as companies, governments, or even citizens to, to tackle the spread of disinformation or educate the public more about this challenge? Well, it's, uh, we need to use very comprehensive methods. So all uh, from, as Alan pointed out, media literacy information studies incorporated into our school system, university education. Perhaps we can even talk about the information culture that has changed and that we need to change back so that it is less about alternative truths. Uh, it's, it's more about facts and and. Uh, decision-making based on, on, on research. But it's also I want to see this phenomenon as a part of of the polarization of our our societies, the polarization that takes place between, between values at the global level, but also within our societies. So here information uh, has become an important tool and this, this needs to be corrected. I don't know, uh, there is no simple a method for that, but I think raising awareness is a very good first step. Our center tries to make uh, the use of disinformation visible, uh, the methods used for it visible, and then we try to share, uh, find the right uh, instruments for countering it, uh, uh, even preventing it, and uh, cooperation here, both within governments, in societies, Uh, but at the international level is, is very important. We need to share the good practices that we have created. And if we think about elections and election interference uh, in, in 2016 in the previous US presidential elections, already one year later in, in, in 2017 in the French presidential elections, the use of that very same tool could be prevented. This shows that we can really learn fast and we, we need to do so. What, what are your thoughts, Alan, on the on the actions we should take now to tackle the spread? I think we we should support channels of of, of information that do work. Um, there's a rather curious thing happening in the UK at the moment, which I know has happened in other countries, which is um, a, a serious threat to public service broadcasting. So there are, there are people gunning for the BBC, and that seems to me absolute madness you know the, the the public service broadcasting model is one which um which works it you know it is it's universal it relies on a kind of universal taxation but it relies it produces in most countries that i know about very highly trusted journalism uh, which is not um, polarized at all but reflects uh, an evidence-based uh, fact-based ap approach to news Uh, and to to be choosing this moment to say, well, let's get rid of that, leads is is a is a, is a way of of creating the and uh, enhancing the world of of uh, of of polarized news where where you have tribes who believe their version of of, of events. So I I think there are certainly mistakes that we can avoid making as well as measures that we can be taking. What do you think about if if we look at Europe 
and uh, in a global scale, how resilient are we towards this disinformation phenomena? Teja? I, I hope that we are becoming more and more resilient. It's uh, it's many times so that we need to to learn the lesson first, and uh, uh, we we have to. Uh, I'm sad to say, so that we have to see the phenomenon, and then uh, so so it's, it seems to be very hard to be to, to be proactive. So we are uh, we are somewhat reactive, and then we start uh, uh, start uh, inventing the tools when the, the 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 challenge is is there. But I think by now we have learned. We have, of course, uh, different models of uh, societal security in in Europe, uh, the northern and Scandinavian uh, countries. Small, smallish uh, societies rely upon the comprehensive uh, security model, where where this information information is is an important part for, for of of our comprehensive security. So perhaps we had some some somewhat of a tradition. Uh, and and bet, we're better prepared for this kind of a, of a resilience uh, construction of resilience that that now is needed when we are facing uh, these types of new comprehensive threats directed at, at our societies and not only at at, at the state structures or, or or the political level. What about Alan? What are your thoughts on the resilience? Well, I'm I'm probably a bit more gloomy than Taylor on on this in the sense that. Um, Britain has um, quite a lot of problems on its plate at the moment. <laughs> In addition to um, uh, a, a, a response to COVID, which I, I think uh, you know m- most surveys show that uh, a, a, a quite a high degree of uh, skepticism about, about the approach and feeling that it's not working. So you've got a sort of a, a slight breakdown in consensus uh, about. Um, uh, how to respond to this, you know, including a kind of sort of north-side divide and a rich-poor divide, and all all the things that make societies um, uh, 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 not very resilient and, and not pulling together. In your opinion, how has journalism survived during the disinformation age? Um, and 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 less we can look to journalism to actually do better on these things that really matter. So that the, that it can earn trust, then you're you're creating the circumstances for the the thing that we're talking about today, the the, the information uh, chaos. So I think journalism has to look in the mirror and say, uh, how can it do better? How can it earn trust better? Uh, and always remembering that uh, you know anything that we've seen with COVID is a dress rehearsal for anything we're going to see with climate change. Um, and if I were a politician thinking about the kind of um, changes that society is going to have to go through in the next 20 or 30 years uh, uh, in climate over climate change, the notion of leading a country that where there is no informed consent for anything because there is no agreement on even the nature of the problem would be terrifying i mean how, how can you how can you do good politics in 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 such a uh, atmosphere so i i think the you know we're we're talking about a a, a whole scale um reevaluation of what journalism is trying to do about information about uh, education uh, for information and the longer we delay doing that the, the the richer the playing field for people who who have their own 
purposes for for exploiting that um, that vacuum in in good information. As the last question, we could talk about safeguarding and countermeasures. They uh, are we still in the dark, always looking at disinformation from the hindsight or? Do we have a countermeasure already available? Well, there there are plenty of countermeasures, uh, but but sometimes uh, we are a little bit too slow. Or but uh, uh, this information should shouldn't be allowed. It shouldn't be allowed. The use of it shouldn't be allowed as as, as a political tool. So we should also be very active in countering. We should attribute uh, these cases of this information as as far as possible. So, so try to show who is responsible and uh, and and make make that uh, public because that is not what the uh, what the actors behind these operations want. They don't want to 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 be detected. So, so we need to do that. We need to uh, use our uh, collective uh, forces. So uh, and 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 uh, the, the the strength of our cooperation as as a tool here so if if someone is 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 uh, a top becomes a target for a huge disinformation campaign we we uh, need to show collective solidarity and and support of of such a such a target country but of course we were earlier discussing many of those more societal uh, uh, countermeasures and uh, and uh, the, these deal more with the construction of or strengthening of resilience but many many tools available. Mm. Uh, what about you, Alan? On the on the last note, which countermeasures would you favor uh, to safeguard against the future threats? Well, um, I, I've just joined the Facebook Oversight Board, which is um, the first attempt by the um, by the big tech companies to try and hand over a measure of of, of control uh, to uh, independent assessors and. Since since beginning that work, I've I've become much more up to speed at the work that the the big tech companies are doing, and I think I think the truth is they've been very slow to uh, recognize their responsibilities and to um, be transparent about the the work they're doing. But I do get a sense that they are they are um, now much more attuned to the, the nature and extent of the threat, uh, and from what I can see. Um, They are they are gearing up in a much more determined way. So I, I see, you know, if we're trying to end on a on a slight note of um, optimism, I, I do think um, there there is grounds for hope there. Thank you very much for uh, both of you on this on this episode, and uh, have a great day. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye bye. Thank you for listening How to Survive in the Disinformation Age on Future Talks. Are you listening? Please mind the gap between the train and the platform.